Good morning, everybody. Today we'll be learning about Hashem, Daf, Mem, In, Maseches, Ksubas. We're in the home stretch of Elonaris. Let's savor the last couple of uh, blood here, Andrew. All right. So we're on the bottom line of Lamtesimut Bays over there. Oynes Shoite Batsitsoi. He lays in the bed that he makes, if you will. He drinks Ochelota. He's drinking the drink that he, that he mixed for himself. What's going on here? Um, well, the Mishnah on Lam Tesem had discussed the difference between an onus and a mefateh. Uh, a rapist and a seducer, okay, the psukim are very explicit about what happens in both cases. We already had a drasha that explained the chamishim kesef, that it should be chamishim kesef for both cases, the knas, and that they each should be in shkalim, and that we learn one from each other. So as we'll see in the Gemara as well, we learn certain things one from the other, and so there are similarities. The Gemara will ask, why do, we learn, why do we not learn all the similarities? Why are not all the dinim the same? Well, it should be obvious why some of the dinim aren't the same, right? As we will see, it's logical, right? It's misvara that the two are certainly not the same. So, for example, when it comes, this is what the Mishnah is outlining, when it comes to damages that one pays. So, put the knas aside, right? Because that... That is a, a midoraisa sort of set amount, as we'll see. But uh, typical damages that one gets uh, reparations, the pagam, the boshes, and those, those things, well, the, certainly tsar would be considered different. Hey, David's back. Good morning. The tsar, welcome back. We missed you, man. The, the tsar would be different between a... Uh, Onus and mefate, right? Because after all, once there's seduction, it's consensual, and the tsar is presumed to be less, as discussed in uh, yesterday's daf. So that would not be paid. That would be one difference between an onus and a mefate. And we're going to start on the last line of Lamtesim and Bays. Now, the other thing that the psukim explicitly say is that the onus the, the, the needs to marry. Right, the me'anes needs to marry the, the girl, right? When there's a me'anes, he doesn't have a choice in the matter. Unless, as the Mishnah outlines later, there's some sort of, right, if she's one of the krovim, or there's some sort of iser in marrying the girl, so then he doesn't. But all things being equal, if it's somebody he's not related to, or, she, or there's no iser in marrying her, he must marry her. As opposed to in the mefate, so there there was a seduction, it was consensual, and he does not need to marry her. That's what Shosa Batsitzo means. This onus Shota Batsitzo means that he made his bed, he lays in it, right? He's Shota Batsitzo. He has to drink that drink that he made by going against this girl's will and forcing himself um, and, and forcing her. So then that uh, act, now he has to live with her and marry her forever. He has that. Uh, he doesn't have a choice in that matter. And consequently, as soon as he's committed the act and he's been acquitted, he's been, um, uh, what's the opposite of acquitted again? Convicted, right? He's, as soon as he's done the act and he's been convicted, he has to immediately pay the knas, right? Because he's in, he's in it now. The mefate, on the other hand, he ha- can decide. If he marries her, so then he avoids the knas, right? This is just... If it's a seduction and it's consensual, then they don't pay the knas in that case. However, if he decides to not marry her and he ends the marriage and it's just a seduction and then out, so then he has to pay. 
he has to pay either the, her or the father, as we'll see. Okay? And so that is the subject of our mission. So let's start with the Gemara over here. Uh, so that's the part where we said that once the onus was me'anis, a girl, so he has no choice but to marry her right away. So we say, So this is what we said before. This is the last Rashi in Lamatesam and Beis. As we said, we saw that Onus and Mefate are learning. Let's see it in the Rashi inside. Onus mi Mefate l'shkalim u'mefate mi Onus l'chamishim. There it is, black on white. That the, in the Psukim, you know, in Ramat Shemesh, they have Dafyomi um, Shir, this guy, Eli Stefanski. He's excellent at um, showing you, he does a lot of graphics and he has the highlights from the Psukim and showing you where the drushes from the Psukim are. The Rashi here is helpful um, as well in that regard, where he says that in Mefate, you see that you're paying the Shkalim, right? Um, and in the Psukim by the Ones, it says Chamishim, right? That is by the Ones, and therefore you see the Chamishim Kesef, and then the Pasuk by the Mefate, you see that it's Shkalim, and you learn from, from the others. So what's the Gemara asking here now? Well, the Mishnah had just discussed all the differences between Onus Mefate. Well, if you can learn Chamishim Kesef one from the other, why are there differences at all? Maybe the two should have all the same dinim. Well, obviously, says the Gemara, as we finally arrive at Memo Medalef, that's the Kasha. Let them learn everything from each other. That's the question. Says the Gemara, So this is with respect specifically to right to the onus that it says when it says that he has to make her uh, that this is this has to be with the case of the mifate if you might remember when we we're reading the psukim it doesn't say that way by the onus only by the mifate does it say he has to marry her quickly it's interesting marry her quickly better these two better get married really quickly what is this lowly this is a lashon that's not found by the onus, and therefore lo means midaito, means with his consent. And so really what the Gemara is saying, right, it's funny because really when you read the Pasuk by onus, it also says, and then it says, so that's why, you know, <laughs> you, you can highlight these psukim all you want and put up graphs and charts, but at the end of the day, it's chazal, um, sort of the limud, the limudim aren't going to be obvious unless you have a masora, right? So here it says lo midaita. Okay, you could have said lo midaita by the onus also. The word lo appears by the onus also. Anyway, by the mefata, the word lo appears. And therefore, the Gemara is teaching you that it's a gezeras hakasav. It's the pasuk that tells you, yes, it's true that in many ways the onus and mefata are the same, but in this case, the, the Pasuk is teaching you that with regards to the Mephateh, the man has a choice, uh, rather, yeah, the man has a choice whether he wants to stay married to her or not. Says the Gemara, Keita Chosebeti, so what does it mean? What case is it that you're talking about where you have to uh, marry her against your will, so to speak, like, ah, oh, you're going to regret this, you rapist. He, you're now have, going to have to be married her forever. So the Mishnah had said, well, 
that it was true. Let's say he, right, unfortunately was an honest woman and then she was blind or she had some defect, but not a defect that's also to marry her, just a defect where it wouldn't be like geschmack to marry her and show some so. He has no choice. He has to marry her. However, the Mishnah had continued to say that if there's an Isser in marrying her, so then he does not marry her, even though he violated her against her will. To which the Gemara now says, I once said the following argument in front of Rav Zvid from Narda. I said, I had a chap. I had a chap. I said to Rav Zvid, says Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana was a great gadol, they all were, but he was singled out uh, in previous Masechtas as being really incredible. And this was his chap. What's the asay, dochelos asay here? Well, it's an interesting question. It's amazing it hasn't come up yet. We've been talking about Onus Mefata here since the beginning of Elonaris. We have asays, losi Elisha, right? There's a mitzvah asay that he has to marry the girl, right? And what's the los asay? The enarur lavobi Israel, says Rashi, kigon mamzeres. So as our Mishnah points out, if she's in a mamzeres, then you do not have to marry her if you're an on, a ma'anes. So, question is, why not? As you will note, David, you remember, when it came to Knas, you remember our very first mission, Elonaris, right? When it came to Knas, we said that Mamzeris does get a Knas. At least the author, the Tana of our mission says that Mamzeris gets a Knas, and even the Isure Erva, even the Korovim get a Knas. So, it's interesting. If they get a Knas, so then why do they not also have to marry? Well, you'll say, what do you mean? There's no Isser in doing a Knas. There's an Isser in marrying them. Okay, so then why do they have to pay a Knas? So this was the discussion we said before. But in, in any case, here, he, Rav Kahana asks a simple question. You have an Isser Mamzeris. So it's an Isser love, right? In the case of, let's say, an Achoso. So I can understand, that's a Kares. You're not going to do the Kares. But here you have just a regular Isser love. And for the Isser love of a Mamzeris, it, the, pasuk, the, the Torah tells you you're not allowed to marry her, but the Torah also tells you that you have to marry her. If one has to marry her, if he's a rapist, so then don't we have the principle of asay, doche los asay, that when the two, a love and an asay, right, conflict, that you're supposed to do the asay. Now, obviously, when we were in the very beginning of Masechus Yevamos, that's when we discussed this at great length, because after all, Yibum, by definition, Right, is a case where you do the, in doing the mitzvah of Yibum, your doche, right, the, what is usually the case of, uh, Eishos Achiv. But, so that's where we discussed all the details of Asay, the Doche But without getting into that sugya fully now, Rav Kahana wants to know, is this, is this Asay of marrying, right, the girl, why is it not Doche, the Los Asay, let's say, of a Mamzeres? So now, this was Rav Zrid's response. Amar Li reports Rav Kahana. The Rav Zrid answered me, When do you say, Because the, the classic case would be like this. A, uh, a child or whoever has to do a bris mila has tzaras on the foreskin. Now, there is an iser to cut out tzaras. I don't know if you knew that. You can't just get rid of it with an excision surgically. You have to get rid of it Spirit, but with, with, you know, spiritual tshuva. You're not allowed to cut it off. That's not how it works. Okay. Well, that's an iser right off the bat. So what do you do when you're faced with a conundrum 
where the tzaras is right on the foreskin. You have to do the bris milah, that's a mitzvah say. You have the tzaras on there, that's the lotaseh. So there we say, you perform the bris milah even though you're, so to speak, violating the, right, the iser of cutting off tzaras. But says Rav Zvid to Rav Kahana, that's for sure I say doche losase. Why? Says the Gemara. The low efshar, the low lakim Because over there, the only way to perform the mitzvah sase is to, right, perform the lotase of cutting off the tzaras. They're one and the same. There is no other way to perform this mitzvah sase without cutting off the tzaras. How's this different here? Says Rav Zvid, Rav Kana, Avel Hacha, I Amra Deloba Eina, Mi Esela Ase Klal. If the woman says she does not want him for her husband, oh, this is nice to know. A little bit of PC, and another was not PC, so good at all. Right? The woman's allowed to refuse this man. She's allowed to refuse her rapist. Maybe she doesn't want Dafka to be married to her rapist. So if she refuses him, she actually, he does not have to marry her. Okay, so we learn that she's allowed to do that. Well, once she does that, there's no, there's no assay at all. Now, what Rashi understands, if you look over here, an interesting idea. He says, So he's saying like this. Rashi is uh, saying that there's a sort of we retro, act, we retro the halacha based off of this. So again, the halacha is that the uh, person who is me'anes, the woman, certainly is obligated to marry her, okay. But if she denies that marriage, then he no longer has that obligation, okay. So now we have a scenario where let's say she's a mamzeris and she's not allowed to him, although Binyamin Gutman pointed out last night, she might want to marry him. After all, she's a mamzeris, she's an Isulava bakal. She was never gonna be able to get married. She was having some real shidduch issues. Now she was raped, not the best scenario at all, but at least she can now marry the guy and then she'll be like, you know, on the uh, Purim Shalachmanis list and be, have like a regular life like everyone else. But on the other hand, she obviously is refusing. So because she refused, Rashi says, we teach her that she should refuse him. And why do we tell her to do so? Because we now resolve the conundrum. Once she refuses him, then she, he doesn't have the problem of, of having the Isra of marrying a Mamzeris. And since that can be done, so it should be done. Rashi implies that if she didn't refuse him, maybe he would have this issue of an Asei Dochelas Asei, and he'd have to marry her. The Ran and the Ritva, this is quoted in the art school over here, say no. They say it's a little bit differently. They say that the fact that the woman is allowed to refuse him sort of means that this is a compromised Asei. After all, if the woman can just dismantle this Asei, so then certainly the Isra Mamzeret could dismantle the Asei, Right? This assay obviously is something that is negotiable, something that can be done away with. And since it can be done away with by the refusal of the woman, it's not the typical assay dochalas assay, and therefore it can be done away with, uh, with by the, uh, the fact that there's an Isra Mamzeris as well. So two different ways in the Rishonim to look at what this uh, piece in the Gemara means here. But either way, we see at this, this, uh, this chap, this uh, interesting creative kasha of Rav Kahana can be dealt with. There is no ase doche los ase in the case of Mamzeris, and so the Anes does not end up marrying the woman in those cases, as the Mishnah had discussed. Okay, but if she's gross or unsavory to him in any other way, 
That's not our problem. That's his problem because he shouldn't have never done that in the first place, obviously. Okay. So now this next Mishnah is going to discuss more differences between an Onus and Mephata as follows. It says the Mishnah, Yesomah Shinis Arasav and Yishgarsha. Rabbi Elazar Amer HaOynis Chayef VaMephata Potter. What's going on here? The Rashi explains this as two different cases. But we'll say it, what it is. A Yesomah is obviously an orphan. Okay. The question is, why would an orphan... Uh, an onus is chayev, okay, so he's chayev a knas. This is talking about the knas. So if an orphan is, uh, right, uh, actually is uh, subject to either, to onus or mefate, so somebody who's honest, an orphan, is going to have to pay the knas. So who's he going to pay the knas to? He's going to pay the knas to the orphan. The but if somebody seduces an orphan, he's going to be putter from knas, because after all, who is he going to pay? He's not going to pay the father, she's an orphan. He's not going to pay her, she was consensually agreeing to it. So the, she's not going to consensually agree to it and then get paid. That's the case of Yosoma. What's this Nisar Savinishgasha? So you see, it's really the similar idea. Nisar Savinishgasha means that by being, by having Arison, this is, this Arison is not to the person who is honest Mephat at all. But the point is, but when a woman gets betrothed, right, she has Kiddushin, Arison, and then divorces, what does that effectively do, Andrew? It takes her out of the realm of her father's jurisdiction. Okay. So once she's in the Tsars of Inisgarsha, she's essentially independent, just like a Yasoma. So that's what the Gemara is going to basically outline. That there's two ways that a girl who's a katana can be out of, this is talking about a katana. Don't forget, we, ha- we said that only a Nara, really, our, right, our Mishnah, the author of our Mishnah says that Elo Nara, so she has to be a Nara. But that was Rabbi Meir. The Rabbanon said that even a Katana can get the Knas. So be that as, and we're going to discuss that in the Gemara right now, but be that as it may, whether she's a Katana or a Nara, the point is that suppose this is a girl that in order to get the Knas has to be under her father's jurisdiction. Okay. Well, there's two ways to get out of, out of your father's jurisdiction in these matters if you're a girl. One way is for your father to die. And, the, and therefore, obviously, you're out of his jurisdiction. The other way is for you to marry a man and then divorce him. Because if you marry a man, it's a whole different thing. That's ish ish. We're in a whole different world. But if you're married, uh, if you marry a man and then you're divorced, mind you, it has to be only heiress and it can't be Nisuin because if it's Nisuin, then you're no longer Basula and you don't get the Knas either. But if it, you only had Arison and then you divorced, so now... Right, you're no longer the jurisdiction of your husband. You're not an ashes ish. You're a single girl. But even if your father's still alive, right, the chiddush is that even if your father's still alive, you're not going to be under your father's jurisdiction either because you've already been married off. Oh, and in both of those cases, so the, the difference between ones and fata will be that in meanes you're going to get the knas. The girl's going to get the knas. She's her own independent entity, and mefate. Because it's consensual, the girl will not get the knas, right? This is in contrast, David, with a girl who's still a katana and there's a mefate. So there, the father could still get the knas, right? Because even though it was consensual to her, from her perspective, Tati was not condoning any of this. He deserves the knas for that. Anyway. I'm Selassie in the Gemara. I'm a Rabbi Bukhan, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Lazar, Bishita, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Amra. Then Rabbi Lazar said this whole idea, the difference between the Onus and the Mephate, he was within Roshita's Rabbi Kiva. How do we know? The Amar, because Rabbi Kiva had said, with regards to the Nara, who was Nisarsav and Nisgarsha, Yesh la Knas u Knas 
the Chiddush, right? In the case of Ones, obviously, that she does get the Knas and that the girl keeps the Knas. Mimai. How do I know that? Rabbi Lazar learned that from Rabbi Kiva, Midiktani, because we learned from the Mishnah. What? Yisoma, Rabbi Lazar, Omer, Ones, Chayv, Fater, Fater. This is basically our Mishnah. That when you have an orphan girl, Rabbi Lazar says that the Ones is Chayv, Fater, Fater. Yisoma, Pshita. Right? The Yisoma, obviously, it's Pashat. Because obviously, there's nobody to get the, uh, the, 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 for the reason we outlined, right? Because if there was a Mephate, so then certainly she's not going to get a Knas because she was consenting. And if there was an Onus, so then yes, there's a Knas, and certainly she's going to be the one to get it because she's the only, right, potential recipient. She's the only one who can get it. She has the one left alive to pick it, to, uh, receive it. So that one is obvious. This is what the mission is teaching us. The So now we're learning it, right? The Gemara is explaining what we said. It's saying it explicitly. That a Nara that was Nisarsa, Nisgarsha, has the status of a Yisoma. In the following way, says the Gemara, my Yisoma la'atzma, af Nisarsa, la'atzma. That's what we explained before. Just like a Yisoma is independent, right, because her father died, another way to get out of your father's jurisdiction is, let's say you're a Nara, you had an with a man, and then you were divorced, and now you're no longer under your husband's jurisdiction, you're not under your father's jurisdiction, and you're la'atzma, you're an independent single woman, and therefore, if something were to happen, you would be the one to get the knas. Of course, it's only, you only get a knas in that case if it's not consensual. Because if it is, then you don't deserve a knas. Fine. Now the Gemara said, Amar of Zerah, Amar Rabbah, Barshila, Amar of Nuna Saba, a long lynch, uh, a, uh, linkage of Mesorah over here for the halacha. Uh, further, Amar of Adabar, Hava, Amar Rav. All goes back all the way to Rav. What they they say? Halacha Rebbe Lazar. The halacha is like Rebbe Lazar or Mishnah. Kare Rav Alei the Rebbe Lazar to Vina de Chakime. This is all how we end up saying that he got it from Rebbe Akiva. What does this mean? Literally, the words mean Kare Rav Alei the Rebbe Lazar. Rav used to say about Rebbe Lazar that to Vina de Chakime he was one of the luckiest of the Tamidei Chachamim, as Rashi points out. He was lucky to have Rebbe Akiva as his as his Rebbe, meaning to say, it's like Ashrenu Matov Chakenu, Ashrenu Sheyeshalnu Rebbe Kazet. In other words, Rabbi Lazar said the halacha. He said it really in the name of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, this is Rabbi Akiva's halacha, but Rabbi Akiva, as Rashi tells you, you know, we talk about it uh, during the Sphira period. Tova de Chakimi, Rashi here quotes, who are the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, after all? 24,000 Talmidim died, and there are only very few left. Rabbi Kiva had to start all over. And he quotes this in Yavamos, Abal Yavimto, right? And says the end of the Rashi over here, Behayaha Olam Shameim, the world was desolate. Ad Sheba, Rabbi Kiva, it's a Rabbi Seinu, And Rabbi Kiva regrouped, and he went to the south, Vishanalahem, and he had the following Talmidim, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yoisi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Lazar, Ben Shamua. So there they are, Rabbi Meir, the author of the Mishnayas, as we saw, Stam Mishnah, Rabbi Meir, our Mishnah is like Rabbi Meir, and famous Rabbi Huda, of course, and Rabbi Yossi, and each one with their own story, Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, so, right, we're seeing all the, all the greats, all the greats. So, of those greats was Rabbi Lazar, and what a lucky duck, so to speak, right, Rabbi Lazar had such an incredible Rabbi, so much so that he gets to quote 
the Rebbe's halacha and be the Rav to relay that Masora. And so in our Mishnah, we have the Masora in the name of Rabbi Lazar, and rightfully so, because he learned it from his Rebbe. But, it, but we know that in, the, in its essential initial form, that was a uh, halacha that was taught by Rabbi Akiva. Okay. So now we're in the Mishnah on Mem, uh, further down. Ezu Boshas. What is the compensation for Boshas? How do you determine the amount for Boshas? Because after all, we said this Boshas, this Gam, in the case of Onus, there's also Tsar. Okay. So how do you evaluate these things? How do you evaluate the amount that a person's embarrassed? That's hard to quantify, isn't it? Says the Gemara. It doesn't really teach you how to do so. How to, but I can tell you that it's all relative. Who is doing the embarrassing? Who is the person that's being embarrassed? It all is relative to the situation. Okay, how about gum? How do you right, evaluate the depreciation, uh, the damages? So says the Gemara, this says the Mishnah. Oh, this is easy. Just look at her as if you were selling this uh, violated girl uh, as a slave woman in the marketplace. Yeah, how much would she go for before the violation? And how much does she go for now? The Gemara is going to ask, what are you talking about? What, what's the difference between a uh, slave woman who had been violated and a slave woman that hasn't been violated? Don't they uh, plow and wash the dishes and spin wool the same? Like, what, what changed? Was there actually even a difference in the valuation? Okay, we'll see. And we've talked about this before. Different cultures and different legal systems have different ways of determining damages, right? In America, if like the Starbucks coffee is too hot and it spills on your wrist, you can get $8 million in damages. But it's not true in every country. Anyway, now we'll see in the Gemara a little bit more detail about that. And then how about the knas? Knas is Knas is something that's fixed in the Torah. As the Mishnah continues to say, any amount which is fixed in the Torah, in our case it's Chamishim Kesef, Shavah yeah, that's Knas. And not only is that true in our case of Chamishim Kesef, but we'll see in the case of an Eved, of Shloshim Kesef, or any other case in the, in the Torah where the amount of Knas is specified, well, then it's not going to matter. What do you mean it's not going to matter? Well, there's cases where it's much worse, right? There's certain cases where, as we will see, Right, it almost doesn't make sense for the knas to be the same. Two cases, one where the damage seems extreme and severe, and the other not so bad, and yet the knas is the same. Says the, so that's the, what the, our mission is being mechadesh, that when the Torah tells you what the knas is, the Torah is not going to think of it in, term, in relative terms, but in absolute terms. This is the knas, and it's the same for any case. Right? But as we see, not so for boshes or pagam. So let's see that in the Gemara as follows. So the Gemara. Hmm. An interesting suggestion. Right? We said that Chamishim Kesef is the Knas. How do we know, asks the Gemara, that that Chamishim Kesef does not include the Boshas and the Pagam? Right? That's what it means by Amar Rachmanim Mikol Mili. Maybe that's all inclusive. Right? Like when you. Uh, I know that when Andrew and Lainey go on vacation, they like to go to all-inclusive resorts. So all-inclusive means whatever you, it doesn't matter how much you eat, and it doesn't matter how much entertainment you consume, or whatever, you know, it's all one price. Okay. So if it's all-inclusive, uh, I have to say this, Rabbi uh, Orlovsky used to always laugh, because his uh, shlita, his, um, 
his parents used to take him to Grossinger's. So breakfast is only until like 10 a.m. And the kids like to sleep late when they're teenagers. So he said his father used to pound on the door like, you know, come on, it's paid for. It's paid for. Breakfast is paid for. Everybody get up. So, right, if it's all inclusive and it's paid for. So the question is, once the Torah tells you to give a knas, so how do we know that it doesn't mean that that knas is including the boshes of Gam? Why are we evaluating those separately? So says the Gemara, Amar Rebbe Zeira, Yomru Balabas, Yomru Balabas, Melachim Chamishim, Balabas, and Yosef Chamishim? Asvara, says Rabbi Zeira. It doesn't make sense that it would be all inclusive and that that 50 shek covers everything. Because after all, if one, right, violates the Bas Melachim, he should have to pay through the nose for that. He took a princess and he, and he right, humiliated her they sh- he should have to take out a mortgage to pay for that one. Uh, if he just takes, you know, some girl off the street, it's a lesser knas. To say that both would have to only pay 50 shek doesn't, it, it defies logic. Doesn't make any sense. He's saying purely misvar or bizera. That it doesn't make sense that it wouldn't include Boshas Bugam. So Amrle Abaye, Abaye is not so sure. Says Abaye, hi hachi, gabi eved nami. Well, we see by an eved, what's the case of an eved? Well, uh, what happens is, if a, if a shor mu'ad kills an eved, the Torah says explicitly that he gets a 30 shekel fine. Okay, so, right, the master gets the 30 shekel fine. Well, yomru eved noke margilios shloshim, eved ose mase machat shloshim, as we turn to Memo Bays, right? If, if, if your eved is in diamonds, so then his, right, he's bringing in Three and a half million dollars a year for you. And here, he got gored by an ox and he's no longer able to work. And you're going to say that the compensation is only going to be 30 shek as opposed to the Evan that's the, that's clear, uh, that's just doing the needlework in your shop and he's getting, he's getting minimum wage and you're going to get the same compensation, 30 shekel for both. Well, we know that the halacha is that that is in fact the case. It's an application of what the uh, rest of our mission says. That when the Torah gives you a specific amount, it doesn't really care about the circumstances. So yes, that is in fact the case. If a shor muad gore is an evid, it doesn't matter how valuable that evid is to you. You're going to only get 30 shekel. This, regardless of the case. So why shouldn't it be the same by a nara? Right? That's what Abaye is explaining to Rabbi Zera. That just because it doesn't seem fair... Doesn't mean that that's not the halacha. That's not how it works. Gemara says no. So Rabbi Zera persists. Elam Rabbi Zera. Okay. What's going on here? Okay. So this woman had all the luck. She had she right. So she was um, violated kedarka and shelo kedarka. Like Rabbi Zera says. He thinks this is the most absurd, absurd case. Why? Because if, so, if a girl was violated Shalok Kedarka, now the Chiddush is, and this is what the, the Mepharshim have to uh, at least out, um, point out, that if a woman was uh, raped, it doesn't matter whether she was raped Kedarka or Lokedarka. In other words, it's not the destruction of the Besulim that uh, is generating all this Knas, uh, even though the Torah says that she has to be a Besula in order to collect the Knas, Right? It is not the destruction of the Basulim that destroys it. Now, if she was violated Shalokadaka, she would still have the Basulim, but the Khirish is she would certainly, yes, still get the Knas. Okay. So this bothers Rabzeira, because they already say, 
well, are you going to say she's going to get the same amount of knas? Are you kidding me, man? That in one case, she was Nivelis Kedarka. She's no longer a Basula. So you're going to say that she gets fit the same 50 shekel that a girl who is Nivelis Shalok Kedarka and is even still a Basula, and there's no, you're not taking into account that one's a Basula and one's a Baula. That's like a zero sum game. It's like binary, right? It's either you're one or the other. And still, it's going to be the same exact knas, no extra consideration of Boshes or Pagam. That doesn't seem to make any sense. But Abaye is saying, yeah, I see that you're having issues with this concept of Rizera, but that's just the way it is. And he just persists with this case of the Evid. Right? You have an Evid that's in the prime of his life and he's extremely productive for you. And you have this other Evid who's a Mukashchin and he's basically just a, a money pit, right? Like, you know, sometimes you get a dog and he's lovely. And then there's that stage of life with the dog and basically it's just about medical bills. So, and, 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 and the thing can't even move. So here the Evid is, is of no use to you. But, you know, he's still your Evid, so you're responsible for his uh, safety and well-being. So all you're doing is paying out money. And yeah, he got gored and you get the same 30 shekel. So Rabbi Zera's point, Abai is pointing out to Rabbi Zera. It doesn't matter. The Torah prescribed a certain amount. And therefore, the Hava Amina makes sense. It makes sense that maybe you don't have to pay more than that amount. Okay. So Abaye says, El Amar Abaye. So Abaye is explaining, this is how we know that you not only pay. So in other words, at this point, it looks like maybe it's true. Maybe the question of the Gemara is a better question than we thought. Maybe the 50 shekel knas should include Boshes of Agam. says, no. El Amar Abaye, Amar Koratachas Asher Ina. Now you take the idea, this is the case of the of the Ma'anes, and you say that you give her the 50 shek, tachas asher ina. When you read that into the words, it's, what are you giving the 50 shekel knas for? Specifically for the, for the ina, for the affliction. Honey, tachas asher ina. That 50 shekel is just for the onus act. Miklal de'ika boshes gam. As Rashi explains, Rashi says, those boshes gam don't come from the inui. Why? Because it's like shar chovlin, right? Meaning, there's two components, so to speak, to the rape, right? There's the rape itself, which is awful, and that's what the knas is for. But you know, that's a typical assault, right? It's a form of, not typical, it's a form of assault is the point. Okay, well, and that, just like in any assault, if somebody was assaulted, you'd have to pay them boshes of gun. So that's what Rabbi is explaining. The tachas are sharing now, the 50 shekels for the specific aspect that this assault was a very specific rape kind of assault. And for that, you pay the 50 shekel. But for the poshas of Gam is for the assault factor, which is also an element of this that applies to any assault and therefore applies here as well. And therefore, it's sort of like a limud that you learn from inside that psukim, that you pay the poshas of Gam. That was a baye. Of course, Rava can never let Abaye have his own Pasuk, have, have the Pasuk and agree. He has his own. Rava Amar, Amar Kra, V'nasun ha'isha shochev ima la'avi ha'nara chamishim kasef. The Pasuk says, right, that the man who lays with the nara, he gives a chamishim kasef. So what does he say? Hanas shchiva chamishim. That similar, tachas asher ina is, he laid with her, he's doing it for the, for, right, for that act of being of the onus. And here, he's learning the same thing, but basically a similar limud. Hana shchiva. 
So, where it's talking about Tachas Asherina, it's talking about the Onus itself. When it's talking about Chamishim Kesef, it's talking about the Shriva with the Nara. It's the Hanas Shriva. Hanas Shriva. It's interesting. So, it's actually uh, two very different things that come out to be the same, right? In other words, both Abai and Rav are saying that you're paying specifically for that, um, for that Onus aspect of the Chavala. And that, and, and then, and and you do have to pay separately for those other aspects of the assault, and that they don't have to do it. It's just like so interesting that Abaye is saying, that it's for that act, as sort of like an abstract act, whereas Rava's sticking in that it's this Hana that a degenerate rapist gets for that act, that he's paying the Chamishim Kesef. He's giving insight as to what he's paying the Knas for. Okay. Whatever, be that as it may, either way, he's only paying it for that specific kind of act, and therefore, um, and therefore, the assault aspect gets its own boshesubgam payments. Okay, eleven line down on Memon base at the very symbolic time of six thirteen a.m. Says the Gemara, "Ve'emali didab." Okay, now when it comes to the boshesubgam, who gets the boshesubgam? Maybe it should go to her. Maybe she should get the Boshes of Gam. After all, she's the one that endured it. So, Amar Kra binurea beisaviha. Chiddush. The Chiddush is, in a different context, in the context of Nadarim, the Pasuk says, binurea beisaviha, that a girl, right, so long as she's still under the jurisdiction of her father, right, this is a famous idea, uh, the whole Masechus Nadarim, but we've already discussed, right, uh, whenever we talk about the transition, when does the Baal have the... So it's always either the father or the Baal, so long as she's not right a, a single older girl. Then when she's under the jurisdiction of her father, he can be Mayfair Hanadarim. When she's under the jurisdiction of her husband, he can be Mayfair Hanadarim. So those Nadarim can, in fact, are under control. That means makes it sound like everything's under control, under their control, and therefore she does not get the Knas. They do. That's the source that we're saying over here. Okay. By the way, it doesn't say Venasan Lavia Nara. What are we talking about? It says Venasan Isha Shachevi Malavia Nara Chamishim Kesef. Ah, so that's what it's saying. That the Chamishim Kesef certainly goes to the father. Okay, but if we're saying that the assault, right? So we just finished explaining, Andrew, that there's two aspects. There's the Knas, the Chamishim Kesef. That's for the that's for the uh, uh, right rape portion, so to speak. But there's also an assault portion that's different, that Boshas Bugam. So despite the fact that the Torah is saying that the Knas certainly goes to the father, right, maybe the Boshas Bugam should go to the woman. And now what the Gemara is saying is, is that since by Nadarim, that makes it sound like even the very words that come out of her mouth are under the jurisdiction of her father, so then certainly the Boshas Bugam should also be under the jurisdiction of her father. As the Gemara says, call Shavach Nehorea Anything that comes out of her mouth or anything that really, it's, it's all entirely, he is in charge of her everything. Okay. And therefore he would get the Bosh Begam also. However, the Gemara says, maybe that's not a good limit. It says the Gemara, How do we know, let's say, that she goes to work, right? He's sending his daughter to work. How do we know that that money goes to her father? We know that a father, he's doing it for his daughter's own good, mind you, but he sells her off as a as a maidservant, okay? 
And then, so the, the Torah is trying to teach you an analogy. He can sell her off as a maidservant. What's this analogy? Right? This was, an, this was an explanation of the Pasuk that Rav said. That just like, right, an ama, uh, when an ama goes to work, her master, right, so to speak, her owner, gets to keep those proceeds. So too, the daughter, all of her work goes to her father. And that's from a juxtaposition of these psukim of the fact that the father can sell her to be an ama. Therefore, he obviously has so much control over her that there's nothing that she could do that's her own. It's all his. Okay? So he says, Lamali, why do I need the Rav to teach us this? Well, we already just said, that the context of Nadarim teaches you this. So why do we need to learn it in the context of Nadarim and also in the context of Ama? Says the Gemara, Ella, no. The reason we need both is because Nirorea Beis Avia says, uh, says the Gemara, is not teaching you that. It's not teaching you that he keeps the money. That's an exclusive limud that applies only to Nadarim and does not apply to the monetary. And it is the Pasuk of the Amma that teaches you the monetary part. Okay. Well, maybe we should learn that everything, we should, we should learn it from Nadarim. So if we did say that, well... The truth is that there's another problem, right? Number one, you can't learn mamona mi'isura, right? Nadarim is, a, is an isura, and that's not a monetary thing anyway. In other words, those are two different things. The fact that a, a father could be made for the Nadarim of his daughter is, in fact, a unique din, but it shouldn't have necessarily to do with monetary things. Because those are two, we just said, oh, that means that he has real incredible power over her. Yeah, but the issues of mamanus and financial things are different than Isr And therefore, those two should not necessarily be um, derived one from the other. Okay. What about the idea of the knas? Our very case, what we keep learning about the Mishnah. The idea that a knas goes to the father. Right, the Torah says explicitly that the knas of the Ma'anis goes to the father. So maybe from that we should learn it. So the Gemara Mamonimi knas also. In other words, the knasim, right, these fines that the Torah prescribes are not actual like financial litigation. It's a knas, it's a chiddush of the Torah. And therefore you can't assume just because the, fa- the Torah says explicitly that the father gets the knas doesn't mean that he gets a maisei daim either. So the Gemara, El Mistabra, the avia havi, the ibai, masalul Maybe you could say it like this. Not the Psukim, but maybe a different direction. A Svara. What's the Svara? We know from the Psukim explicitly that a father can marry off his daughter so long as she's a Katana. Well, guess what? It doesn't say that he has to marry her off to a great guy. He can marry her off to a Manuvala Mukashkins, a disgusting person. Ah, says the Gemara. If he has that right, well, guess what? There's no greater Hefzid of a Boshas of Bagam, as Rashi spells it out, than to marry her off to a manuval, right? In other words, what is, a more, what is more injurious, right? What is more embarrassing and more of a pagam than marrying her off to the worst guy? Well, that is really adding, right? That is a, a true act of Boshe's pagam. And if the father has the right to do that, then clearly that's where we learn that he has the right to collect the Boshe's pagam. It's not necessarily from the psukim, but from the principle that he can marry her off to anyone we understand that misvara. Fine. So now the two dots, the, the Mishnah said, How do you evaluate the Pagam of woman? Well, if you sold her, if you were to sell her off on the slave market, 
Well, what would you be like before the violation? What would you be like after? Says Gemara, What do you mean? What is the difference in her value? Yeah, that's exactly what we mean. We evaluate how much would a person pay on the slave market for a woman that was violated versus not, for a basula versus a baula. So like, what are you talking about? What does he care? <laughs> what does he care about her, her past history? He just cares, you know, how well she works. No, the idea is he's taking a shifcha, and part of the equation is he's going to marry her off to his evid. Okay, so what does the evid care? He's an evid. Does he care whether he's a, she's a basula or a bula? Yeah, he does. He cares. Says the Gemara, either he wants to incentivize him or he wants to reward him. The point is, he really likes this Eved and he uh, would prefer, right? I mean, he can marry her off to anyone, but if he tells him this is, this is you know, her first marriage, so to speak, so then the Eved likes that better and therefore it is more valuable to him. Okay, now the Mishnah says, next Mishnah, this was uh, something that we learned before. This is her mayor. The mayor holds a katana doesn't get a knas. It's not what the rabbanon hold, right? So this is how we started Elonaris. Katana yeshla mecher. The mission is just spelling it out again. So the application of that principle is that a katana yeshla mecher ve'in la knas, right? A uh, father can sell her off, and and she's and and he's getting the knas. She doesn't get the knas. Nara yeshla knas ve'in la mecher. And Nara, she's entitled to knas, right? But she doesn't. Get, uh, I said it wrong. Katana yeshla mecher ve'in la knas. There's no knas at all for a katana. Okay, uh, and her father could sell her off. And Nara, right, her father can no longer sell her off, but he would still be the one to receive the knas, right? So in other words, she gets a knas, that's the whole point of the beginning of Elanaris. And now Bogaris, once she's a Bogaris, so then the father doesn't get a knas, she doesn't get a knas, nobody gets a knas by a Bogaris. And of course, her father can't sell her off. So the Gemara says, This is a sheet, as we said, of Rabbi Meir. Right? Chachamim, don't forget, said that she gets a knas even when she's a katana. So that means that when she's a katana, the father can sell, as we've said, and as the Torah says. And also, if, she's, uh, if she has an onus mefate, she gets the knas. Titania. And then the Bryce just spells it out. A katana from the, from the day she's born until she's, uh, right, a nara, she can be sold by her father and she doesn't get a knas. And once she has the shtesaros, she become, starts being a nara until she's a bogeris, then she gets a knas, but her father can't sell, sell her. That is the shita of Divri Rabbi Meir. Just like our Mishnah said, however, right, so over here, right, it's, it, you have to be more careful. You can't do from Yom Echad. You have to be from three, three years old. Because don't forget, because he's going to say that she gets a knas, but don't forget, she has to be basula. There's no status of basula until three years old because it, it, it regenerates the basulim. So from three years on, until she's tibagar, she does get a knas. And that's, we learned that already in the very beginning of Elonaris. Says the Gemara, however, it's surprising. Knas in mecher lo? What do you mean? She gets a knas. What about a mecher? The point is, Chachamim don't mention what happens with mecher when she's a child. But if the Torah does, it's a, it's, it's like a rhetorical question. Of course she gets a mecher. Says the Gemara, Ema af knas bimko mecher. That's the Kiddush. That even though the father can sell her, she still gets a knas. 
So I'm Rav my time of the mayor. Why does the mayor say, Ain Makam Mechav Knas together? I'm a Krav, but That the only time that you get this Knas, it says in that context, Loti Elisha. So it's only when she can actually be, affect becoming a wife by herself, and that's only starts Benaras. Verbanan, however, say, Amar Rishlakish Amar Kran, Nara, Afiluk Tana Ben Mashma, Shmar of Papa. We learned it like this. What the Gemara is saying now is like this. I'll just read to the end. But it says, In other words, we see that the Nara means that, we're, that, that she can be punished. But it's obviously a Nara. You, can't, you don't punish a Katana. Ela Khan Nara. There, but why is it saying Nara with a hey? Hakol makam shenema Nara without a hey. Afilu katana b'mashma. In other words, what we're learning here in the Gemara is that a Nara is superfluous because obviously only Nara can be punished. But it's teaching you that even normally when it says Nara, it could be referring to katana, and therefore that's how we can even have the sheet of the Rabbanon that a knas would apply to a katana, even though the word actually says Nara. We'll resume Bezat Hashem tomorrow with the Mishnah at the top of Mem Aleph Amad Aleph.